Welcome back to Pew Pew Panel with Ava and Eric. Today, Britney Spears makes an appearance on the show. We're going to discuss Eric's man cans, and we're going to basically highlight our vulnerabilities and talk about mental health. As always, I'm Ava Flanell. Eric Blanford's here. Eric, how are you doing today? I am wonderful, Ava. I'm looking forward to today's show. This is going to be awesome. It is. You know why it's going to be awesome? So I took one from your book, and I'm actually going to light my own candle. Because I'm like, you know what? You can't be the only hippie on this show. So this candle, actually, I'm going to one-up you. Okay, so I made this candle. I've actually made quite a few. I thought about like selling them on the side because it's just a fun hobby. Um, But mm, it smells like white tea. It smells amazing. It has a little sphere for the uh, wick, which some of you guys have maybe have never seen. And then I wanted a vessel that was going to put, you know, my candle kind of like differentiate it from everybody else's. The only the only like thing that I kind of messed up on is I'm sure there's going to be a lot of idiots out there that if I do sell these, they're just going to put this down to like put the candle out and then it's a fire hazard. So hence why I've not sold them yet. But in the meantime, I have plenty of candles to light. So uh, we're going to start this show off with things smelling real good. Actually, oh, yeah. Here we go. All right. So uh, starting off with the show, aside from my amazing candles, um, Eric, what did you get in the mail recently? Okay. So we're going to do some mail call. I got a box in from Samson Manufacturing. Um, now, some of y'all might be familiar with Samson. I know you've seen some of those crazy looking uh, like A-Team Ruger 1022 and Mini 14 stocks. They have like the, the correct side folding stock like you saw on the old you know, AC 556s and stuff back in the day. So they make a a reproduction of that stock and Ruger OEMs them and everything like that. And they also do a variety of different mounts. Uh, So these are low profile AK mounts that allow you to get a red dot super low profile. And this replaces the rear sight on an AK-47. So they sent me a couple of these mounts to try out. Uh, They also make the same mount for the Ruger Mini 14, obviously, because, you know, minis are, are in their wheelhouse. They're also making this uh, pick rail adapter for AK pattern rifles. How well you can see that there. Um, this is a plug that just replaces the, the rear where the tang is and allows you to put a pick rail on the back of any AK. So that's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. That is really cool. And you said some Samson. gadgets to try out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Samson. S-A-M-S-O-N. Okay, cool. I'm going to try that out. Yeah. All right. Well, um, what I got in the mail, I actually did not get this in the mail, but a friend gave it to me and I figured this is probably the greatest thing that's happening in my life in the last couple of days. But I got the new Britney Spears book and this is, and I'm sure everybody's like, wow, I'm tuning out of this show. But this is Britney Spears, The Woman in Me. It's actually gotten some really excellent reviews. I typically, I mean, I wouldn't spend money on this book myself, but the fact that, you know, my friend, she just read it. And she was like, yeah, if you want, you know, I'll send you the book. Like, she already read it. And I was just like, yeah, I might as well. It's always nice to just, like, take a moment, read. And honestly, I feel like reading books nowadays is something that a lot of people don't do enough of. Um, personally, I read a lot of, like, the news, like, when I'm going to bed and stuff. But it, sometimes it's just good and, like, healthy to just, like, curl up with a book, even if it's something that, like, may or may not interest you. In this case, I mean, Britney was kind of, you know, like the pop star of my generation. I guess our generation. Eric, I keep forgetting that uh, you're you're my age because I look so young, you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I'm kind of, you know, I'll, I'm interested to read this book. 
but yeah, that's that's about you know as much as I got going on these this past week. <laughs> I hear you, yeah, and you know, Brittany's had a, had a storied life for sure. You know, it's it, she's an interesting figure. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe maybe you'll learn something from it. You know, I know. know like, when when you're learning about other people's struggles, you know, even though it may be a figure that maybe you don't care about as much or whatever, that there's always something we can all take from somebody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And honest with ourselves. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I think reading this book is going to help me to realize, and I think a lot of other people that and this kind of foreshadows sort of the topic that we're going to be discussing today. But a lot of us, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all people like we all have struggles. We all have, you know, um, issues and things that make us sad and, you know, maybe anxiety or things that we go through. And a lot of times we don't see that because when you're in the public eye, you choose like what to pick and, you know, you pick and choose like what to show. And so we're constantly thinking that these people have great lives when in reality, like we are all struggling in different ways. And so we'll get more into that here later on. Um, but moving on with the show, uh, giant meteor he actually he wanted to ask us a question for the would you rather and guys if you have not submitted a would you rather question definitely do so it could just be like hey would you rather fight off one huge t-rex or lots of tiny um chihuahuas or something like that (laughs) um or i'm sorry maybe the other way around lots of tiny t-rexes or one giant chihuahua that would make more sense you could have fun with it, or it could actually be a legit question. So in this case, he said, would you rather carry 10 millimeter or 460 Roland for bear defense? Roland. And I will be honest with you. I actually don't have any experience with 460 Roland. Um, I do know, I've never used it, but I do know that it has quite a bit of power. And, and to my knowledge, I think it has more power than 10 millimeter. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Yeah. So... 460 is a great cartridge and it does have a lot of good things going for it. It does have a lot of power. You know, generally the guns that your 460 Rowlands are set up to run in are usually special. You know, they're set up a special way. They have to be sprung a certain way generally um, and everything like that. And it is a very powerful cartridge. And I would say that it it probably does generate a heck of a lot more power uh, than a 10 millimeter. 10 millimeter has always been sort of the standard for bear country. Uh, You know, there's lots of folks now that are carrying the Glock 40 MOS. Uh, which is the long slide 10 millimeter Glock uh, with the, you know, has a, a cut for RMR. So you can put a red dot sight on it, uh, which is always nice, you know, get a rapid target acquisition. Um, personally, I like the mag capacity on the 10 millimeter. You know, you get 15 shots in your hand uh, with a 10 millimeter Glock, which most of your 460 Rollins are generally going to be set up in a 1911 pattern pistol. Um which is not a problem to have a 1911, but I don't think you're going to generally get the capacity um, mm-hmm. that you would get the Glock. Now there might be 460 Rowling conversions for the 40 MOS. I'm not sure if they're if they are. I haven't seen them. Uh, if you could have similar magazine capacity and the gun was reliable, see that's one thing I would worry about because you are you know changing out for like an aftermarket barrel. You are using sort of the you know Wildcat, which it's a semi spec cartridge now. But there was a time when it was just considered kind of a wildcat, like, you know, an enigma. Like, I don't know. I think I would prefer to just run the good old standard 10 millimeter because I know it's reliable. You know, I know what I can expect out of that. Um, And, you know, the gun has to work, obviously, if it's something you need to protect yourself with. I've never seen a 10 millimeter Glock choke in any way. Now, I've seen a bunch of 460 Rollin conversions uh, crap the bed in a 1911. Maybe something wasn't fitted right or it wasn't sprung right. 
or you're not using the correct magazines. You're adding so many more variables with a conversion like that than you are if you just stick to a good stock gun. So I would say in my situation for bear country, I would prefer a stock pistol and I would just, I would run a, a Glock 40 MOS uh, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And actually, I mean, there's a lot of other manufacturers now kind of jumping on board where they're creating decent guns in 10 millimeter. Smith & Wesson launched one about a year ago. Um, so, you know, I mean, yeah, there's lots of different options out there for 10 millimeter. And like you said, I, I actually completely agree with everything that you said with the 460 Roland. So there you have it. I think we're unanimous on that answer. Uh, listener questions. So we had a lot of great feedback. I really enjoy that you guys left comments. One, it helps boost the algorithm. Two, it lets us know that you guys are actually watching and listening. And we had some really positive feedback. And I just really appreciate you guys for that. I thought for sure, like we would, you know, we'd probably have some people. I think the rudest comment on there was some guy was like, why are they talking about food when this is a gun podcast? But I like to mix things up. That's why I brought the, you know, Britney Spears into the show today. <laughs> Um, okay, so listener questions. So this is from Frank Wigley, 1596. And he said, I don't normally watch podcasts because they're usually just boring, but I really liked watching this one, which makes me feel really good. And, you know, that was, that was a nice comment. Second is Bernie Strait, 126. And uh, he said, thank you, too. That was one of the best drives to work I've had in a long time. Look forward to hearing the next one for sure. Super fun. God bless. Stay safe. All right. Like again, isn't it kind of like, wow, like people, they love us. They really love us. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's and then, all right. Well, OK, don't get your hopes up because then another person said, uh, this is from William Sweet 7511. He said, one chip challenge for both of you. That comment, I was like, okay, you know, that was great, you know, whatever. I think you will. I mean, I've done it, you know, I've, I've done it, I've survived, and um, I'm not trying to, you know, you know, we're gonna well, do well, okay. Well, so we are instead yeah. of like we're gonna do like Lay's potato chips where you can, you know, we have to eat more yeah. than one. Well, how about a two chip challenge? We'll have two. Oh, I okay. Like, you lost me. You lost me at the one chip. I don't think I'm gonna do two. And I mean, that was like the worst chip ever. You know, I mean, it's like stale. It didn't even taste good. It wasn't even like the good spicy. Like it was just like this instantly. The minute I like touched that chip to my lips and my lips started burning, I was like, oh, this is going to be this tastes like regrets. <laughs> Pure death. Uh, yeah. So but we are going to do a spicy challenge and we are probably going to use the new pepper, Pepper X. So just putting it out there. Um in fact, you know what? I might order some today and we're going to get on that. So that is definitely going to be in future episodes more sooner than later. So look out for that. I got to make sure my will is up to date. Oh, yeah, man. no kidding. I know. And uh, maybe sometimes Pepto-Bismol, yeah, <laughs> so. you know, stuff like that. <laughs> okay, so now it's time to start uh, the main topic. So I'll admit, so today we were struggling like with what to choose for a main topic. And I think Eric and I, we both, you know, we've been in the industry long enough. We kind of just choose topics like at our leisure. We sort of, you know, fly at the seat of our pants. And there's not a lot that I um, that I really, you know, I guess do beforehand anymore. But this morning I woke up and I'll admit this morning I woke up and I felt really crappy. Um, I just had a really crazy day yesterday. 
And um, which I'll go more over in detail here shortly. But I told Eric, I was just like, you know, and I told you about it yesterday and you were like, dang, girl, like, I hope you feel better. And then this morning, you know, we touched base and you were like, are you sure you want to record? You know, if you don't feel up to it, it's probably best just to take a break. And I was like, honestly, there's a lot of days where I don't feel up to it. There's a lot of days where I had really crappy days or I'll be honest, like even with Gun Funny, thankfully it doesn't show audio, but there are so many times where I was like hysterically crying. I found something out, you know, that either was like really upsetting or I was just having like a bad week. And there's times where like you kind of have to pull it together and record like the show goes on. And I said something like, you know, to the effect that like success isn't defined whether you feel like it or not. Success, in my opinion, is defined as to, you know, when you do it, even when you don't feel like doing it. And today, yeah, today would have been really great to take a personal day off. And so we're going to talk about mental health and sort of share some of our vulnerabilities with you, because I think that for one, mental health still, you know, has a very huge stigma behind it. And I think that a lot of people think that people in the public eye don't suffer from that. And we do. I think we all do. Um, We all have bad days. Uh, Some of us hide it better than others. But ultimately, you know, we're all we're all struggling. We all have different issues. Um, And then I am going to tell you guys some stuff that a lot of people actually don't know that I haven't really been too public about. So, for example, yesterday I had just like a really bad anxiety attack and it caused me to throw up a lot. Like my nerves were just at an all time high. I was throwing up. It lasted hours. Like it was like for about nine hours and it was horrible. Um, Eric, I know you personally, like you've struggled with, you know, some of your own demons. And, and I think also when it comes to guns and mental health, there's also just a huge, like, like we don't like to talk about it because, you know, we don't want our rights being taken away with, you know, with everything going on politically and, uh, red flag laws increasing. And now even just, uh, in this past year in Colorado, I went up to the Capitol to testify against some proposed red flag bills and essentially, you know, a doctor or nurse, they could flag you for, you know, if they thought that maybe you were going to hurt yourself or someone else and they knew that you had firearms in the house, they could, you know, alert law enforcement, they would come take your guns and there'd be no due process. And so, you know, you kind of have to be really careful with like what you say or what you admit because of that. But um, Eric, do you want to just share with, you know, some listeners like some of the stuff that you personally have struggled with? And and again, this isn't like a cry for help or anything. I think you and I are are very much like we're we're pretty mentally stable, Um, but it's just to share with you guys so that you guys know that you're not alone out there. It is true, Ava. And, you know, many of us, we pack these things up and, you know, as you said, many of us are good at hiding it. You know, we some of us wear, you know, the most expert mask. To where we go about society and we feel like every you know we act like everything is fine but you know deep down inside some people are fighting uh, you know a, a very uh, courageous struggle against uh, very many things going on in their lives it could be death of a loved one it could be you know a traumatic experience that they saw perhaps they had a friend that was close to them die in some circumstance or perhaps there's some breakup or divorce or marriage or you know anything so lots of things can cause us to get into a point where we're in a rough spot you know in our life and, you know, there for a long time, you know, I struggled a bit with some of the experiences that I dealt with overseas. Now, that's been, you know, I'd say it's been a, a good two decades ago. So, I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm past 
a good bit of it and everything like that. But there's still going to be those inklings, those little memories that you remember. And, you know, they can bring up some very negative feelings. And, um, you know, sometimes we all get into a dark place. And I think that in our society right now, it's very important for people to remember that, yes, all of these intrinsic sort of issues that we deal with in terms of our mental health and where we're at in life and how we're feeling and what we're going through, uh, those things are never going to go away. And those are always a part of our society, no matter how things are going politically or no matter how things are going on the legal front or whatever. And I think when you do have a situation like what is going on right now, everything is just exacerbated all that much more um, because now, you know, society is at a very low point. The economy is down. Inflation is completely out of control. You know, it's immigration issue. People are just waltzing right over the border and and we're getting all these people coming in and, you know, and it puts people in a really scary spot. You know, when people have a little bit of a mental cushion, okay, to push against and they know that everything is going to be okay, they tend to kind of deal with it a little bit more amicably versus when you have a group in society that is expanding all in all that much more every single day where that group is expanding into a situation where their backs are against the wall and they're getting pushed down to the point where they can't get pushed no further. That's when, you know, when, when society gets pushed to the point where they don't have anything else left to lose, that's when you see all these crazy acts of desperation. You see these people going off the rails and committing acts of violence like what we saw in Maine. You see um, what could just be a, a, a typical fight between kids. I mean, look, kids scrap, right? When I was growing up, if we had an issue with somebody, we would, uh, you know, we take out in the schoolyard and, and you know what, we'd all, we all know we're going to walk away alive, but someone's going to get beat up, right? I mean, you know, we would take that out on each other, but now, no, now, now these kids, they want to shoot each other and everything like that. So when you have people that have no respect for human life, no respect for man code for one, right? You don't just bushwhack someone. If you have a problem with someone, you, you take it up with them and you handle it like we're all men, right? Or even if you're a young person, you handle it like boys, you know? But now it's like there's just all this disregard for human life. People are just committing violence just to do it. And their backs are pushed against that that sort of emotional wall of society. And maybe we don't really see it as a physical wall, but their backs are pushed so far against the wall, Ava, that they don't they feel like they have no other choice but to just live a life of crime or to live a life of violence. And I think that the degradation that we're seeing in our society is mm-hmm. is literally a a direct result. Yeah. You know, fatherless households and, you know, these kind of weird circumstances that create situations where people are in these really delicate emotional states and they don't view it as an emotional state. They view it as an economical state. All right. Mm -hmm. For them, they're like, hey, I'm in a poor place right now. You know, I I grew up poor. It's all I've ever known. So I have to live a life of crime to steal and do right for my family because that's what my grandpa did and my dad did. And that's what we've always done. So it is a personally an economical issue. However, it's not strictly economical. It's also just their emotional state. There's no love in the household. There's no father figure in the household. And those things, when they all boil into a nasty stew, if they're making, uh, it becomes a life that, you know, uh, usually tragically ends much too short. You know, people mm-hmm. get into a really bad situation. Now, there's a lot more to it than that. But I think that's one of the, the really like booming mental situations that we have to deal with in terms of people's mentality in our country. Yes, I deal with things and I unpack things in a way that I feel is pretty healthy, right? So it's all, everyone is going to go through a, a, a weird emotional spot. It's how we deal with it and how we cope with it. And whether we turn that into a positive energy that is going to decide how we move on in life and how we walk away from it smelling like a rose. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just look at, you know, during COVID, like lots of people were losing their mind. They had no idea how to deal with, you know, all the changes and everything that was happening and they were scared and uh, a lot of people were losing their jobs or they couldn't handle just even the stress of like working from home and, you know, and having just like that lifestyle change. And I think at one point I heard, and I don't think that anybody's really going to push this out there uh, in the media as much, but I heard at one point that California actually had more suicides than they did COVID deaths. But that's like something that, again, not a lot of people are talking about. And even with suicides, you know, that's still that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. You don't read about it in the news. Nobody, you know, publishes that. And um, and so that's why, yeah, that's why I wanted to have this episode. So um, for those who didn't know, um, 11 years ago, my mom passed away. And what I think that a lot of people don't realize is I was there when my mom passed away. We were recording a TV show. Um, and we had been recording for eight days straight and we had to record the very last, the very last part, which was the opening of the show. And essentially, um, I was standing right there next to my mom. I even like was laughing with her right before we started filming. And, um, it was a, a smoke bomb that turned into essentially like a missile and it hit her and she died instantly. And that is something like the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with in my life. And, um, and so I think, you know, I mean, ultimately, I mean, this is something that I had to deal with very like, um, I guess privately because, you know, like we lost my mom. Um, I left New York where I was living at the time I lived in New York for eight years and, uh, and then I was like helping my dad with the business and I kind of just like went to survival mode. My dad was also there at the same time. So he kind of went through uh, something very similar to me. And I mean, looking back, like I really don't know how I, I went through it. But for the longest time, even though I had really bad PTSD, I just didn't tell anybody about it. And I kind of just coped with it alone. And I think that that's what a lot of people do. And um you know, I think, I think like what's important is I kind of wanted to talk about like things that personally helped me because for a while, like I, you know, I saw a few therapists and I didn't really click with any of them. I'll admit like I'd get there and I'm just like, okay, like, I think that you are a little bit crazier than I am. <laughs> I didn't feel like they were like really that helpful. Um, but some people do find that helpful, especially if you, you know, you find somebody that you really click with and Sometimes it might take, you know, a few different attempts of finding somebody, um, you know, and and even up until like a few years ago, I also saw another therapist, you know, just to see if like maybe, you know, somebody knew uh, we could revisit that and and kind of work th work through things, you know, but um, but yeah, so I would say, you know, therapy, uh, there's really nothing wrong with going to therapy. I think people see it as like a weakness. But sometimes it's just nice to talk to somebody that, you know, that doesn't know you that well or doesn't know your family or your situation and you can just kind of unload. And a lot of times when you're talking about things, you kind of come to these like to your own revelations. And there's a lot of self-healing in that. Um, if you don't feel like you want to talk to a therapist, I would say a lot of self-help books. I've read quite a few self-help books, uh, even as far as like dating, um, this is a while ago. Um, 
you know, stuff that I don't know, Eric, have you ever read any self-help books? I mean, there's, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's also when a lot of people turn to God is when they just feel like they're at their lowest point and, you know, and, and they don't have anybody else. And so they do like a lot of people become religious and, and focus on God. And that's, again, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Or they reach out to a church or they join a church or something that they feel comfortable with. Um, for me personally, so I don't really know how I got through it. And again, I look back and I'm like, I don't even know how, I mean, I don't know how I, I didn't end up like, honestly, at some point just losing my mind because my mom was like my best friend. And to see that happen to somebody that, you know, that like, my parents were 14 years apart. We always thought my dad, you know, would pass away first and to just experience that and see it. And I mean, it was horrible. Um, but I think the fact that I was in survival mode and just kind of, you know, cleaning up everything that had to do with the family business and and making sure that it operated well, because I didn't want what my mom worked hard for to be lost because my dad was the face of of the business, but my mom ultimately was the brains of the operation. And so we kind of had to jump into mode and like figure out like all the paperwork and, and stuff that she did and make sure that, you know, that the business would survive. So I think maybe that helped kind of keep my mind off things. Um, I also, you know, f- for a while, I went around like my probably my entire life thinking, you know, with this mentality, like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. And then after I lost my mom, I suddenly adopted this mentality that like anything could happen. So I used to imagine just like the most weirdest things happening, like all these, you know, freak accidents. Um, You know, like if I were crossing a street and like, what if a car just went out of control and hit me? Or I was walking down the street and there was a crane that was somewhat above me. And what if this crane just automatically came crashing down? I mean, it was like pretty irrational fears, but eventually you kind of adopt like the total opposite mentality of like, it could happen to me. And I don't know, Eric, did that, is that kind of something similar that you went through? Yeah. So, you know, you'd mentioned self-help and, you know, I wasn't joking when I, when I said the Bible. However, one thing that I will add, um, I remember this is going to sound kind of random to some people, I suppose, but I remember the first time I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. All right. That uh, book was written by Douglas Adams. And, um, you know, it's, it is a work of fiction, obviously. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of crazy over glorified things in it and all, but the way that he looks at the world kind of allows you to, I don't know, apply some stoicism to your life. And I think that after I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the other Douglas Adams volumes, uh, in, in that series of books and everything, I don't know. I just, I felt like everything was going to be okay. Like it put a little hope in me somehow, like. I don't know, to understand the the Kafkaesque, you know, nature of bureaucracy and, mm-hmm. and everything, which was something I was really going through a lot in my life at the, at the time. You know, you leave in the military, you're leaving this bureaucracy. You know, it's this whole structured thing. Yeah, you know, it's not like some job you just go in and do. It has a lot of crazy detailed structure and rank system and tons of rules and all this bureaucracy. And there's something about Douglas Adams' work that really poked fun at that bureaucracy I don't know. It it allowed me to cope a little bit more with some of the PTSD and some of the crazy things that I saw overseas in 05 and 06, you know, which it's it's been a while. Okay. But it helped me cope with that in in terms of that self-help aspect. I'll also say that when I'm having a rough time, uh, you know, I know this is going to sound pretty basic to y'all, but seriously, like just 
take your shoes off and your socks off and go put your feet in the grass somewhere or in the sand somewhere, get out in nature. I mean, that is the, the best healing that you could ever ask for is to have a fishing pole in your hand and be out on the boat and catch a fish and just soak up some sun and, you know, swim around in the ocean. Like that type of stuff can do a lot of things. And also, you know, look, if I'm going through a rough spot, I handle that at deer camp. Like we go down to deer camp, we're all hanging out around the fire, having a cigar, cooking steak on an open fire. And you know, anything, you can talk to your boys about anything at deer camp. So if you're ever, you know, unpacking something and you need to, you know, ask for a little bit of bro advice, you know, sometimes you handle that around the campfire at deer camp. Yeah. That, that's, that's where my therapy sessions occur are out in nature. I couldn't agree more. So I, you know, figure I had just moved back from New York. I was very much a city girl and I, uh, you know, people would ask me to go like on hikes and stuff. And I was just like, oh no, I do not want to get dirty. And now I am so like all about nature, all about hikes. Um, I actually kind of laughed when you were like, take your your shoes and socks off, put your feet in the ground. Because I was like, did you watch my episode where I talked about the grounding mat? And that grounding mat is supposed to have the same effects as if you were to put your feet, you know, in the bare earth and sort of ground you. And um, I, I think there's just a lot to be said about that. And And honestly, even days that, are really hard for me. Like holidays could be really tough. Mother Day, Mother's Day, especially Mother's Day, because it's in May and things are, you know, starting to get warmer. So I usually always go for a hike just because I want to avoid, you know, society where everyone's walking around, they have a mom or we go out to, you know, out to eat and everybody's eating with their mom. And so I just like avoid stuff like that. And instead I, I find nature, you know, and I, and then I feel like my mom's like around there, like she's in nature. And, and so I think that that's, you know, that's an excellent, um, that's an, that's, yeah, I think that's an excellent solution. Um, another thing is I would say, avoid things that trigger you. You know, some people, uh, unfortunately they turn to drinking or drugs and I will admit like the first couple of years, um, maybe the first year, I don't think I drank anything. I was just such a mess and just so overwhelmed. I didn't really drink anything, but then like I would say like probably two or three years after that, I drank fairly heavy and that was not good at all. Like I looked unhealthy. I also lost a ton of weight. So I actually weighed 30 pounds less than what I weigh now. And I'm fairly skinny as it is. And I looked sick and it was just because I was so stressed out. I just could not keep weight on. And then you add drinking to the mix and I probably just looked like a crackhead. (laughs) But um, so I wouldn't say, you know, you have to take care of yourself. And, and then you also have to avoid things that trigger you. So like, for example, um, like, uh, 4th of July, I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think that it affects military, but personally it affects me too, because I, you know, it was essentially, it was a smoke bomb that went off and, and any of those like little, um, like at home, you know, firecrackers and stuff that like have smoke, that's very triggering. Uh, even just this past weekend, I went to a Halloween party and they had a fog machine and that was kind of triggering. And so there's things that I'll avoid. Like if I see it or I know it's going to happen, uh, 4th of July, I like really big fireworks from a distance. I hate like the neighborhood fireworks. And so I usually just put earplugs in or try to watch a movie or something. And I keep myself just preoccupied. 
um, drinking, a lot of times that that's when a lot of people's like PTSD will come out. And so I'd say if that's the case, you need to stop drinking. You know, if you can't handle your your liquor and you turn into kind of like a crazy drunk, then you absolutely need to stop. Uh, same thing goes with drugs. I mean, we're all adults now. You should not be doing drugs as adults. Um, but, you know, I mean, certain things or if there's certain sounds or noises or anything like that, like, just avoid it. That's true. You know, one thing that I would add about those triggers and everything as well is, yeah, the loud noises, you know, there for a while on, on the 4th of July, sure enough, you know, the loud explosions would would sometimes kind of trigger me a little bit. But eventually I did get over it. You know, I've, I've got a, a that parrot can, cannon. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it or not. Uh, mm -hmm. That parrot gun that we take to range day all the time. It's a one inch parrot gun. It'll shoot a one pound projectile about a mile with about a quarter pound of black powder. So it's it's wow. it's a it's a straight up cannon. It's a rifled cannon. Uh, but it's loud, and I shoot it on the 4th of July. I set it off with blanks, okay. and uh, and you can hear it miles away. I mean, it's super, super, super loud. So, you know, that kind of broke me of that stigma of loud noises because, well, if I'm the one making the loud noise, well, that helps me kind of get over it a little bit because I know yeah. I'm the one making the noise. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I would add about drinking, um, I've been sober um, now a little bit over a year. So I quit drinking last year around... Uh, October. So here it is, what, November? Yeah, November 2nd. So yeah, so I've been just just over a year uh, sober wow. now. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, I wasn't like drinking a ton. Yeah. I don't want anybody to think that I was kicking back, you know, a whole <laughs> <Just> lot. Now, <laughs> like every every night, like, hey, Brandy. <laughs> I mean, look, there, there, there was a time, it got to a point there where I was probably downing about a half bottle of Eagle Rare every other day. Yeah. And that's a little excessive. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I can only have like maybe two drinks nowadays because as you get older, it's like if my body hates alcohol, I think I'm like becoming allergic to it. So I could have like two drinks minimum. Otherwise, the next day I feel like crap. So it's just like not worth it to me. So I just I really don't drink that much. Um, and if it is, it's just like socially or maybe like take the edge off to like a little bit. But Again, it's, you know, it's, it's very, I do it very moderately. Um, but yeah, it's, and then also I would say for anybody who hasn't dealt with like, you know, who doesn't have PTSD or, you know, is, is pretty level-headed, I would just say like respect people's boundaries. You know, if I try not to make a big deal about it, I mean, I, I'll kind of give an example, like, let's say you're dieting. And you're like, no, I can only, you know, you're going on the keto diet and you don't want to go to a restaurant because you're like, oh, on the menu, all I see is carbs or whatever, you know, whatever the people do with the keto diet. Um, I would say, you know, I mean, don't try to inconvenience people and don't be like, you know, like it's kind of like CrossFit where you have to tell everyone and your mom that you do CrossFit. Uh, same thing with, you know, it's like I've I've never really been that open about having PTSD. This is probably the most open I've ever been about it. But um, that said, if if you know somebody is struggling, you know, don't push them or don't give them crap about like, well, just deal with it. Like, you know, it's just Fourth of July. Like, let's just go have fun. You'll be fine. You know, I mean, look, like I I've come this far. I know, you know, I know what I can and can't do and what kind of triggers me and um, and so I just expect, like, I would, I would appreciate if people respected those boundaries. And then, um, also I would say 
people should learn how to compartmentalize. And this may or may not, and again, I am so not a therapist, but I have really learned to compartmentalize a lot of stuff. So for example, if I have to work, like today, I felt like crap. I woke up, didn't feel so great. Yesterday, I was horrible. I mean, I had so much stress. My nerves were getting to me and I just kept throwing up. It was really weird. I've never actually had that happen before. I've thrown up like once or twice, but not like consistently because I was just so upset about something. But, you know, now I'm in work mode. So, you know, just to compartmentalize your feelings and and not just, you know, I mean, I guess kind of try to stay into in the moment a little bit more. Um, don't live in the past. Try not to live in the future. Um, and then I I do think that me moving back home and uh, I made a lot of changes. And I think that that also kind of helped me to separate between, you know, my old life when I had a mom versus my new life when I didn't have a mom, my old life when I didn't have PTSD versus my new life, you know, stuff like that. And it sounds really weird. And I think that unless people have really experienced it and made some huge change, uh, I'm probably coming off as a little crazy, but like, I've noticed that that has helped immensely. So that's also, you know, something that I would maybe recommend doing. Yeah, that's a very good point, Ava. I mean, you know, it's almost downright essential to our survival, you know, to, you have to compartmentalize it because mm -hmm. if not, it's going to drive you insane. Like imagine if you're at your job, you're trying to work, you know, you, especially you're dealing with the public. I mean, if you got a job where you have to deal with like customer service or waiting tables, I mean, you, you always run into people, you can tell they're having a bad day. Yeah. You can tell that they're just grinding anyway, that they're just getting out there and grinding and doing their job. And, you know, I got a lot of respect for people that can hold it together and, and be able to put on the mask. I mean, cause, cause believe me, I get it. You know, you and I are both very much public figures. So it's one of those things where we can't exactly wear our hearts on a sleeve all the time because okay. quite frankly, you know, people, they follow us cause the content, things like that, you know, other, other things we're doing, you know, it may not necessarily be anyone's business, exactly what's going on in someone's life and things like that. So I think that, you know, folks like us where, where people would assume, well, You've got all these viewers or you, you've got all the success or this fame or whatever, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is or whatever. Um, people tend to forget that, you know, sometimes that's even more lonely, you know, because you always feel like you've got, you know, a, a giant spotlight on you, a giant microphone right over your head all the time and a giant magnifying glass where everybody's observing you like you're some entity. And uh, yeah. and that can be tough to deal with. So, you know, that's that's unique to us. But everyone has their unique triggers and their unique way of sort of, you know, boxing everything up where it needs to be. So, yeah, I think that's really good advice, you know, to really just take every day, you know, one step at a time and keep your your friends, you know, close and keep your circle small, you know, yeah. don't, don't get a whole bunch of people involved, like have some just good friends that you can trust, that you can confide in, people that can, you know, keep your mind off of it, uh, people that can keep you busy, keep you mentally busy, spiritually busy, physically busy, like there are many forms of busyness. Right. Mm -hmm. And being able to, you know, occupy your mind with fun things sometimes can help you sort of cope with it and, and put it away. For Absolutely. Yeah. I, so I was, that was one of the things that I was going to bring up is like, you know, get hobbies, like keep your mind busy. And I don't know, it was the weirdest thing, but after my mom passed away, I just baked a lot. I look back at some of the stuff that I baked and I was like, how the hell did I do that? Like I was making cake pops that like look like they were professionally made. I was obsessed with making cupcakes. Like people that worked for my dad at the time, you know, I'd come to the store and I'd have all these baked goods. And it was just because I like, I just wanted to stay busy and and constantly make things. And, 
maybe I still do that to this day. You know, I mean, I'm busy making candles now. Like I, I find something like a different hobby to kind of get my mind off things. And it's just like, okay. And then I become obsessed with it until I, I'm such a perfectionist that I think I become obsessed with it until like perfect it. And then once I perfect it, I'm like, okay, cool. What's next? <laughs> You're a tactical Martha Stewart. Yes, exactly. But it, it is so important to, you know, especially when you feel depressed, like do something, don't just sit there and, you know, and, and just mope around, you know, I mean, the best thing that anybody can do is just keep putting one foot in front of the other. You don't have to take it, you know, per week, like take it hour, hour by hour. And if you just keep moving forward, even if, if it's very slowly, eventually you're going to look back and you're going to be like, wow, I've come very far. And then another thing that I'd recommend is like, you know, take up meditation or working out. I know like if I have really bad days and I'm angry about something, I just like, you know, I just work my butt off in the gym. I do a bar class. I up my weights a little bit more and I just like take my anger out on working out. But again, it's like beneficial because I work out so hard that at the end, I'm like, I, I'm so tired. I don't even care anymore. Like you just, you're just like, whatever. And then you forget about, you know, well, you just don't have the, you don't have the energy to, to care about what was bothering you before. But in also in the end, you know, you've, you're, you know, doing yourself good by, uh, by working out and, you know, and getting better, like getting in shape and, and enhancing your health. There is no better thing that you can do for yourself to love yourself more than getting in shape and working out. Uh, I hired a trainer in January and I've been lifting with a trainer since January, four sessions a week. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that on top of, you know, quit drinking back in October. Then on December, I finally got on um, TRT, uh, which sort of, for those of you who don't know, that's, you know, where you do the uh, shots of testosterone, you know, the hormone replacement, essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got on, I got on, um, on that and started lifting and my life has been great. Like this year has been wonderful. I mean, I feel like I'm in my freaking twenties again. Yeah. I have energy, you know, my skin doesn't look all crappy. I mean, I literally reversed age just mm -hmm. by quitting drinking and getting in the gym and getting my life in order. You know, now my diet may not be the best, but I do try to eat lots of meat and veggies. I mean, there's all the things that you could talk about, like diet and exercise that do, you know, um, positively affects your your mental health i mean mm -hmm. when, when you leave the gym and you you know like if i left the gym and i did some heavy deadlifts you know i'm deadlifting 400 450 pounds something like that you get some heavy de deadlifts in yeah when you leave you're all energized you're jacked up mm -hmm. you know your your body is firing on all cylinders and you, you're energized for the day and you you leave the gym like actually having energy and yeah you know, like you can really tackle your day you know get up early in the in the morning go to the gym get your workout in and, and it's like, you can just totally crush the rest of your day. So since I've started doing that, having the trainer also keeps me accountable, right? The fact that I'm paying a trainer, if I don't show up to the gym, I'm only wasting my money because he's getting paid either way. So it keeps me accountable to pay someone. Yes, it costs extra money, but he also makes sure that I don't get hurt, right? He makes sure I'm doing everything right, shows me the proper techniques. He knows the training program, the training regimen. So see that keeps that off my plate where I don't have to worry about it. James handles all that. We show up. All I do is put in the work. He tells me what to do and I put in the work. And I actually did my first powerlifting meet a couple of weeks ago, Ava. And I know I told you that. I got second place in Submasters. 
Dang. So, you know, I, I was able to, you know, do decent. And yeah. that's the first type of organized sporting event I've ever done in my entire life. I, I never played like football or basketball yeah. or any type of sports growing up. So that was like the first thing like that I've ever done where I actually, you know, competed. But the point is, those things are fantastic for your mental health, to get in shape, to take care of your body. There's no greater thing that you can do to to for your mental health and for your physical health than to take good mm. care of your body. Because yep. think about it, everything in your life could be going terrible, right? You could have just had some traumatic experience. You could be in the worst financial position that you could ever be in your life. There might be a ton of things going on. But that gym, everyone can afford a gym membership. You know what I mean? Like it's not too expensive. It's mm -hmm. within everyone's grasp. And get your butt in that gym and put in that work. And, you know, nobody can take that. Yeah. Well, on the... On the opposite end of that, I'm going to say that everything could be going fantastic in your life. You could have all the money in the world. You could have all the family and friends and, you know, whatever. But if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Your health is the most important thing. And that's why, you know, physical health, mental health. Um, I want to wrap it up just by touching upon one last thing that I think is kind of controversial, sure. but talking about medication. So I know that there's a lot of people that are just like, nope, I'm not taking medication. There's a lot of people that are very much anti, you know, pharma and I'm kind of middle ground. I think that sometimes, you know, if you like, for example, Eric, you said that, you know, initially you had low testosterone and you get testosterone shots. I think that sometimes when you have a imbalance and maybe it is some sort of chemical imbalance, even in your brain. I don't think that there's anything wrong with seeking help and getting put on medication. Um, I would definitely do some research, make sure that it's not going to have big long-term effects, make sure that you're not going to have a hard time getting off of it. You know, once you do, you know, overcome this, or even if it's an antidepressant, um, I think you guys would be surprised by how many people in the world are actually on antidepressants and, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my take on it, but I don't want to, I mean, I'll admit like I was on antidepressants after my mom died and, um, I don't take them anymore, but like, it was one of those things that I think kind of helped me. Like it was, they gave me something that helped with PTSD and maybe it had more of a placebo effect. I don't know, but I do know that I'm here today. And I think a lot of people would definitely understand if I ended up like in a mental institution and just called it quits because of, you know, what I've seen and experienced. So I don't think that there is anything wrong. Um, but I think the the most important thing is just to reach out and get help. And whether it's, you know, any of the things that we listed or keeping busy, you know, if you're just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, but keep going and, um, and don't be afraid to reach out for help. And, I don't think, you know, also what's important to know is like, you're not going to be a burden on your friends or family. Uh, just recently, I had somebody who I dated, um, I guess, 11 years ago. He was there for me, like when my mom passed away and we didn't date that long. It wasn't really anything serious. And he ended up getting married and having three really successful businesses. And everybody thought like, wow, he has like the dream life, like him and his wife are so happy and his businesses were really taken off. He just opened up his third and then he committed suicide. And even I, you know, I haven't really talked to him in a few years, but I was just so shocked. And I think about how many people I know that have committed suicide and how many lives it affects. And 
it's just, it's not worth it. Like nothing is permanent. What you guys feel today is not going to be how you feel the rest of your life. Some people have bad days, bad weeks, bad months, bad years, but nothing is permanent. So it's really important that, you know, you get out of that, that mindset as quickly as possible. There's plenty of help out there. So don't, you know, don't be afraid to reach out and get that help. One thing that I want to um, just kind of piggyback on a little bit when you talked about medication and, you know, big pharma and things like that, mm-hmm. glad you mentioned that. I am one of the kind of people that is relatively skeptical of big pharma. Mm-hmm. However, I am the kind of person that I agree. Hey, when there, look, there are so many medical breakthroughs with science and there's so many things that we owe so much to. Yeah. If you, if you have a hormonal imbalance, like, you know, yeah, testosterone, hey, if science offers it and it helps make my life better and gives me more energy, and helps me heal faster and helps me get stronger and helps me feel more like I'm young again and more youthful, then heck yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of that. And and I do, you know, I have a prescription for testosterone that helps me a lot. Um, is that to say that if I broke my arm, okay, and I'm in, I'm going to be in a, in a metric ton of pain, Ava, you know, mm-hmm. would I want a hydrocodone to help with uh, numb the pain? Probably so. Like, you know, here, in the yeah, area, but when you're in pain. You- Yeah. But even then it's like, oh, take it so sparingly because that's how addictions start because you end up getting hurt. And then you, you know, they're and doctors are just, you know, throw like throwing prescriptions at you. And so anytime that I've ever been um, given a prescription for, you know, some sort of pain medication, I take it very sparingly if it's like I absolutely have to. Otherwise, I try not to just because, again, you want to stay away from anything that's going to be very like format hab- format having and addictive. Yeah. And, and, and you know, very much I'm, I'm the same way. Now, there's a lot of other sort of esoteric things that people get into. And I'll, I'll quickly mention that, you know, some people choose to, you know, use things like cannabis or they use mm-hmm. things like psilocybin or they use other psychedelics. Right now, the VA is actually experimenting with ketamine injections. Yeah, I mean, you, if you would have ever imagined the VA hospital administering ketamine injections, which is a psychedelic, okay, and they're they're experimenting with psilocybin at yeah. the VA clinics, so it is interesting to see, you know, sort of a marriage of those you know those different components where you know cannabis and psilocybin and lots of other drugs are on Title One or Schedule One. Mm-hmm. which makes them, you know, obviously extremely no-no zone in terms of the federal side to possess or use, especially when we, we deal with it in the context of firearms ownership. You know, obviously that's a big no-go uh, for that. Um, so when you have a, a situation in society where things are already scary, Ava, where people are already on edge, where they're trying to find some type of escape that maybe doesn't involve big farmer, maybe they just want to, you know, hit, yeah. hit a joint or, or, or take a mushroom trip or you know do something more esoteric and more natural that just comes out of the ground like that and to think that their rights are somehow or i know just because they simply decide to use something that might be a little bit more non-traditional or you know Mm -hmm. actually more traditional right because big pharma is stuffing all these crazy things in you which you know look they are helpful of course yeah Um, but when you look at the at the the more natural side i mean people have been using things like mushrooms for thousands of years i mean as long yeah. as human beings ha- have been where mushrooms grow people have uh, inadvertently consumed them somehow and mm-hmm. saw their effects so you know it's yeah just and thing. and I, I just want to say like when i said like you know you know don't do drugs i meant more like you know the stuff that people are making in their houses and their 
you know, like don't do meth or, you know, I mean, even cocaine nowadays with fentanyl, you know, being laced with everything like, but, um, as far as like mushrooms, marijuana, um, I personally, like, I don't partake. I can't, I have my FFL, but, um, I'm definitely not against that. And I do think that that's a great alternative for people to explore. And what's kind of nice is even in Colorado now. So if you get caught with mushrooms, um, you're not actually getting charged. So there's no charges. So things are changing slowly. And I think that, you know, the government is starting to see that, that maybe there's, you know, there's definitely a lot worse to go after people for. So maybe we will see, you know, more changes. And it does help that, you know, that like the VA and stuff, they're doing testing, you know, with ketamine and stuff like that. But yeah, I I agree. Yeah. And eventually they're going to find a way to make money on it. So so don't worry. I know. Once they figure out how to make money, then don't worry. The, the, the floodgates will be open now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I think that wraps up this show. And as always, we love to hear from you. Uh, feel free to write us a question, email us pewpewpanel at gmail.com or uh, comment below. This video is going to be, uh, it's going to be published on um, Eric's YouTube channel, which guys, we're really trying to boost the Pew Pew Panel YouTube channel. So if you guys could just go over there to Pew Pew Panel and subscribe to that, we would greatly appreciate it. Or this is also going to be posted on Twitter. So same thing, you know, or we also have a Twitter account, which I just found out. I don't know who created it, but we have a Twitter account. So feel free to follow us there as well as Facebook and Instagram. And uh, and then lastly, feel free to leave us a review. In fact, I'm going to check real quick, if if you don't mind. I'm going to check our uh, podcast and see if anybody left a review. While you're sure. checking that, Eva, uh, one thing I would just add is, in case she didn't mention it, would be the iWrite Veteran 8888 YouTube channel and the iWrite Veteran 8888 Twitter page. Um, I do share this podcast in its, its complete form on both of those platforms. I actually upload it to Twitter, uh, so you can watch it on Twitter if you wish to. Of course, you know, follow us at Pew Pew Panel on our actual YouTube channel. Uh, we would appreciate that as well to grow that. But um, and look, anywhere you leave any type of comment, we can fish those comments out from anywhere. So if if you leave it on Twitter, if you leave it on YouTube, uh, we'll we'll read through the comments. So don't worry, we'll, we'll find. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so listener of the day is from. Cork260 and it says, love the collab, keep up the great work of five stars. So cool. That's what I'm talking about. Five yeah. stars, baby. Yeah. Hell Thank yeah. you so much for that. And that is uh on iTunes. Uh so feel free to leave us a review there if you want a shout out. But on that note, we are out of here. And everyone, take care of yourself mentally, physically. And if you need any help, just let us know. We're here for you. Appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Catch you on the flip side.